Doug. Hey, Karen. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. I'm fresh from Aruba, already back in the thick of things, because it's been like five days, so. Yeah, I know. Your schedule was a little weird for vacation. Well, is it weird? I think it's the best idea. If you go in the middle of one week and come back the middle of the next week, then neither of those two weeks really feels that bad. I mean, that's a good point, but I guess, I mean, I guess it's six to one half dozen of the other, but it, it just kind of feels like, I don't know, like, I like coming back from vacation on Saturdays. I mean... Because I need to, like, like, kind of, like, get back, like, I can't, like, jump right back into my life right away. Yeah, I'm just always in my life, I guess, I don't know. Like, I'm just impressed when you can do that, because for me, it's, like, it's so hard for me to just jump right back, like, I need, like, a day to, like, decompress and, like do my laundry and go grocery shopping. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it's so hard for me to just jump right into work. Well, I mean, we waited three days before we did any laundry or did any more grocery shopping. So there's that. Mm. Yeah. But I'm saying like, I need to do it. Like when I get back from a vacation, like I want to get like the stuff unpacked and I want to go to the grocery store and I want it. Like I want a day to do all those things. I know. I guess that means you're like more of an adult than we are. I need, I need better re-entry into well, my life. I will say, I feel like we did a good job of disengaging, so so I guess we re-entered okay. I hope I was missed, by the way. You were missed. Listeners, please tell me if I was missed. He was missed. He was missed. <laughs> you were missed. I missed you. You were so missed. I missed you, Karen. I missed you, listeners. <laughs> okay, so you don't miss out on a thing. We're on season four, episode three of Melrose Place. And this one is called Blind Ambition. Yes, but this episode is also significant for another reason. Do you know what that is? No idea. It is the 100th episode of Melrose Place. Aww. Aww. Okay, so how did they mark the 100th episode? Did Did they even? Did they do that back then? Yes and no. And so this ties into the tiny little announcement I have boasted about on our Facebook page. Are you dying to know what I was talking about? I am, because my guess was wrong. <laughs> yeah, you bigger than tiny announcement. Um, <laughs> we are not engaged. Um, so they, they didn't do anything particularly big for the episode other than, like, they hyped it in advance. And, and they're like, it's the 100th episode, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what I'm announcing is it's just the timing is so uncanny. While I was going through and watching this episode, I was sorting through a bunch of stuff around the apartment, piles of keepsakes I had. At one point, I had printed out um, and like probably put it on like one of my walls in college when I had all sorts of like movie and TV stuff. I actually printed out from season four the ad that Fox took out congratulating the cast of Melrose Place on the 100th episode. Wow. And I kept it, and I have found it yesterday while I was watching the 100th episode. It's like this was meant to be. It was. That's weird, right? The universe is smiling. Eavesdropping on It's crazy. So I'm going to, I'll post that on the site later. Oh, yeah. Okay, so where, do do you remember where this ran, where the ad ran? Um, like on the internet and in magazines and newspapers. Was there an internet back then? There was. It was 1995. Not most people were on it, but it was there. I, do you remember what you, what newspaper you got it from or magazine? 
No, I printed it off the internet later. So oh. just something probably from a, I don't know, Ulta Vista search, whatever I was using. Oh, at the- okay. Maybe it was like, because I've only ever seen those ads in like the trade pubs. So like Variety or Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. Okay. So I'll post it later, but I'll read it to you now. Okay. It's, it's the cast um, publicity shot for season four, which by the way, I think almost everyone is looking their best right now. Um, the haircuts are better. The fashions is a little better. Uh, at the top, it has the tagline, too much is never enough. And under the cast, it has Melrose Place 100th episode airs tonight. Congratulations to Aaron Spelling, the writers, producers, cast and crew for 100 unforgettable episodes. Well, I wouldn't say all 100 were unforgettable, but... <laughs> well, they weren't going to say 47. <laughs> But good on Fox for spending that money and taking out that ad. That's right. Again, the tagline they used when it moved from Wednesdays to Mondays, Mondays are a bitch, is maybe the best advertising I've ever seen. I agree with that. Um, so so there we are. 100 episodes of the show. And um, so we should probably uh, dive in. All right. We're diving in. Okay. Here's the thing that bugged me throughout this entire episode. Uh Uh-oh. As we know, there was a... A bombing. There you go. Like my sound effects. Yeah, that was good. I'm going to have a second career in fully artistry. Yeah, it was really convincing. Okay. So the Melrose Place has been a construction zone. And they're building and they're painting and they've got the construction guys. They have like those sort of like establishing shots when they're going into, when they're going to be in Melrose Place. It's always the guys with construction. Please, please, please tell me why the hell they have the poor guy cleaning the pool. (laughs) There's like an inch of nasty, dirty water and he is just there with the vacuum, the pool vacuum. I can't even tell if it's the vacuum or if it's the... Or if it's the net. And I'm just like, why are you cleaning? Why, why are you doing that? Just drain drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Ugh. And, like, scrub it out. Like, you can't just, like, vacuum or, like, scoop this shit out of the pool. Every single shot he was in it. The, 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 the clean the pool man, like, must have made got his SAG card. Or, or after card back then. Just with, like, that one scene. Because he was on so much. Like, he was never on that much. And all of a sudden, it's, like, all the construction guys... Plus the pool guy cleaning the pool that is like murky and gross. And there's about four inches of water in it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, bombing detritus. Yeah. But did that really bother you all episode? It did. Cause every time it came, I would, it would, it was such a distraction. <laughs> Cause I was like, why, why are you, why, why are you cleaning that pool? It needs to be drained. It needs to be washed out. It needs to be refilled. You can't just scoop or vacuum the shit out. I mean, it is like black water. It is yeah. nasty. It's like gunpowder residue is in there, and it's just like you can't just you can't just refill that. Yeah, that's true because there was a bombing. There no, was I a bombing. You. There was a bombing. Um, so that stuck in my craw. Well, um, uh, I can't disagree with you there, but I just want to say about like sixteen episodes are now like the pool man actually becomes even more integral to an episode. Well, thank God, thank God for that. So you know. 
There were a couple of other moments. There were a couple of other moments that I definitely was like, wait, what is going on? I, I felt like I missed something, but um, as, it, as Melrose does to us often, um, but we can, we'll hit those when we get there. But I just wanted to bring up the pool boy. You know, that, uh, you know, you should do continuity. I know. So when we started, uh, so, so this episode, I bring this up, starts off at Melrose Place, the under construction Melrose Place. Yeah, the Death Star of Melrose Place. Yes, yes. Um, and we open with Allison and Billy, and they're having coffee. Yep. Yeah. so where we left off, that was when she had fake fallen in the shower in the last episode, and Billy had to help her with the towel, right? Right. Now, have we already, we've already been to, no, this, never mind, that's this episode. Right. I almost so, spoiled it. So, at this point... Billy is starting to tire of Brooke. They found out about the whole, like, marriage shenanigan thing. With the money and the... Yeah, yeah. That she was using him a little bit um, to get a very... What turned out to be very measly inheritance. So Billy is now spending time caring for Allison. It's the morning in Jane's apartment where she's put Allison up. Jane is not there. Um, We'll find out where she is in a sec. Um... And Billy and Allison are talking, and then Brooke comes in. Yes. Well, Billy and Allison are talking because Allison is explaining to him how she's able to make coffee by laying everything out the night before. And Billy's like, well, you're not able to dress yourself. Dress yourself because she screwed up her buttons. So he unbuttons her blouse and then rebuttons it up for her. And right when he's, like, sort of attaching the last button is in walks Brooke. Naturally. Yes, naturally. And Brooke is so clearly jealous. Not just jealous, pissed. Yeah, I mean, you know, in fairness, I probably wouldn't be too happy about that. Look, if I was the wife and that was my husband, sure. But no one's really going to be on Brooke's side here, are they? No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not Which, on his side. That's a problem. So, um, okay, so we have that jealous, angry moment. I mean, not that she says anything. It's just, you know, she's shooting daggers at both of them and um, kind of snippy. And Amanda walks in, and she's going to take Allison to work. And it's like Casablanca; everyone comes to Jane's. Everyone goes to Jane's, and as and Amanda is kind of enjoying that, like Brooke is kind of losing, and she yeah. says something about uh, she got the ring, uh, you got the ring, but oh no, she said to Amanda, Allison, Allison. She said to Allison, she may have gotten like something like she may have gotten the ring, but you got the in sickness and health part. Yeah. About Billy. Which I thought was kind of neat. So this this change in Amanda towards Allison has really been interesting. And I'm wondering if it continues. You know what? It does more than it doesn't, if I remember. I think there's like one or two instances where they are at odds again. But I think for the most part, they're like almost on an even keel. Interesting. I kind of like that better. And in season five, when there's a bit of a reshuffling of the deck in many ways, um, in terms of like where characters have ended up work and relationship wise, Amanda and Allison have like kind of a heart to heart. And it's one of my favorite things that happens in the series. Oh, so you only got to wait like 35 more episodes for that. Excellent. I don't have to wait another hundred. Um, so now we're going to find out where uh, Jane was. And Jane was at Richard Richard's apartment, Richard Hart, right? 
heart. Um, and they're in bed and I guess they're having, she's having sex with him and he's feeling guilty. Right. Like, I'm not even sure if they actually completed or if it was like just after he's like, I'm feeling guilty. But, but feeling guilty. But this was another example of like, what the hell Melrose writers, their relationship has flipped so many times and it flips so many times in this episode. Like, I feel like the last time we saw them, he was like, he was like, you're a terrible person, Jane, and you're stomping all over Mackenzie's legacy. And, and she's like, Oh, just shut up and touch my boob. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like this weird dynamic with them. And now all of a sudden they're in bed together and he's like, you know, he's like, I feel so guilty, but I think I love you. And I'm like, wait, what, where did this come from? Yeah, just be glad we have aggressive Jane at all. I guess so. I mean, she's just much more fun to watch. But, you know, it, there was this sort of, like, weird thing where he's, like, dropping hints about getting married and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I was going to make, like, the body isn't even cold yet, but I'll just do... There's still bombing detritus in the pool water. That's my reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, as we're going to see... Someone else kind of takes Jane to task for her attitude. Yes. So we'll get there soon. And it's not Richard. <laughs> no, it's not the widow. It's not the widow. Widow. Okay, so we're going back to Mellor's place where they're still cleaning the pool. And it's bothering you. And it's bothering me. And Joe goes to Joe knocks on Jake's door and she brings him coffee because he is so hungover. Yeah, he had a bad night. And that was because when we left Jake and Joe. This was when they were at Shooters, and he was lit, and he was being a jerk, and she followed him into the office, and he started crying. So can I ask a Melrose Time Warp question here? Sure. This is the morning after, right? I I assumed that, yes. But haven't we already had the morning after that? Because that's when Sid, who was newly fired, walked into the new um, Burns Mancini practice and got hired to be their admin? Well, I'm beginning to wonder that every single timeline is, every single storyline is just on a totally different timeline. This could be. Like, like, like maps in like 1974. <laughs> and Sid is going to be in like 2002. Like she's like the future. It's like they have a DeLorean parked in the garage and they just go back and forth in time. That would have been so cool if Alice's old car, Betsy, turned out to be a DeLorean. Oh, my God. Maybe it is. By the way, there is a DeLorean on Orange is the New Black in its later seasons. And this is just me shamelessly plugging our other podcast where we will be talking about Orange is the New Black. So when this is done, follow us over. You might want to mosey on over there in your DeLorean. Take your DeLorean over. Okay. So, so time for being all over the place. But but right now, Joe is there to nurse Jake's hangover wound. Right. And it seems like whatever happened with their heart-to-heart, it seems to have brought them together. They are friends again. Um, they kiss and make up. Like, literally, I think they kiss. But then Joe is like, look, let's not do this again. We're better. We're meant to be friends. And Jake is like, okay, we're friends. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of it. Yeah. We're done there. Keep cleaning the pool. (laughs) 
So now we're going to jump on over to Wilshire Memorial Hospital where Peter is visiting Kimberly. Poor psycho Kimberly. Poor, poor psycho Kimberly. So Peter is really hot on getting her off with an insanity defense. And I guess Kimberly's just not acting crazy enough. That's, that's it. So he needs her, because I think this is when he's going to bring in their, his own forensic psychologist that he's paying for. And he's like, come on, Kimberly, you need to act crazy. Right. And the only way to be exonerated is to appear insane. Right. And But Kimberly says she's starting to remember things, and she tells him about this man. And she's like, there was a man, and he kept telling me to do these things. And he was like, great, you keep saying that, honey. <laughs> this is our insanity defense. Um... That was about it for that, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. That was, you know, planting the seed for something that happens a bit later. Okay, so we're still at the hospital, but this time we're going to the men's room. Yeah, this is weird. Where Dr. Feelbad is washing his hands. Paul, remember him? The guy that killed his wife and framed Matt for it? So Matt storms in and confronts Paul... And, and and does all this weird stuff about he got he claims he got a letter from the wife and 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 she's she was afraid for his life and she was warning Matt that she thought his, her husband was going to do something and then Matt sort of ends this whole this whole story with you know, well Paul says well why are you telling me this and Matt is like because I love you and I'm like what is going on. <laughs> But it turns out that Matt has outfitted himself with a sort of um, homemade recording device. Yeah, He's like wired a- himself. Yeah. And so he thinks that... He really he, thinks he's got something right now on Paul. Yeah, he really thinks he, he has something um, with whatever sort of transpired in their conversation. He, he It's not quite the gotcha moment, but he's feeling pretty good about it. Until... Until the next scene that he's in. And if we go in order, we can't jump to that. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going, we're going linearly. My bad. I forgot that it wasn't right after that. No, it wasn't. Instead, we're in the medical office. Remember the medical office that um, Peter Burns and Michael Mancini rented together? Okay. We're back. Yeah. We're back to yeah. audition. The audition. And Sid's answering the phones, Mancini Burns, and Peter Burns walks in and he's like, no, 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 no. Burns Mancini and <laughs> Sid's like pretty much like giving him the finger the whole time <laughs> um, but since Sid is I guess more than just a receptionist it seems like she has access to the finances because yeah. yeah she's like, like office manager I guess she must be more I, I guess she must be office manager not receptionist but she yeah. knows that they're paying for Kimberly's hospital stay and Peter basically doesn't want her to tell Michael, you know how that's going to go. Yeah. Which is good. This is a good way to get Kim, uh, excuse me, Sydney in the mix. I know, because Sydney needs to be in the mix because it's dull without her. Yeah. Well, Sid needs to really be doing the mixing, but for now, I guess I'll take it. Yes. So, in the mix. Okay. We're back at Melrose Place. They're still cleaning the fucking pool. <laughs> we're back in Jane's apartment um, Allison hears the door open she thinks it's Billy but it turns out that it's Brooke of course 
And Brooke is jealous, and she's just laying into Allison. And Allison's like, I thought you were supposed to be understanding. And Brooke is just like, leave Billy alone. Um, I guess they have a client party. I don't know. What is it? Glorious gowns? It was one of I the... Know. I don't even know if they said who the client is. They, it's, I really don't think it's Glorious Gowns, though. Um, but yeah, there's a client party that evening. Yes, and basically Brooke is like, you're not going with Billy. I'm going with Billy. You're not going to be at the third wheel on our date. You just can't go. Blah, blah, blah. So, um, and, then, and then she turns around and she knocks all of poor Allison's coffee stuff off the counter. But it's Jane's stuff, really. So no, but it's the but it's the way but it's the way that um, Allison has to has it set up so that she can make coffee. Yeah, I mean, I know that it upsets Allison's coffee routine because she's blind, but it's Jane's stuff. Yeah, I know, but at that point, I guess it just doesn't matter. I mean, none of it really matters because they're building this whole thing back together in eight minutes, so everything is replaceable. But it's Jane's stuff, so like, that's an extra demerit for Brooke. As I far know, as I'm- I know. I know. And Kristen Davis just ain't selling this well. Yeah. Do you hate her consistently or back and forth? I'm pretty much consistently hating her right now. Okay. Um, I don't know how you feel about her. I'm more hating the writing than I'm hating her. I'm disliking the writing, but I'm also disliking the way that she is playing it. Now, again, I will admit that I have, like, I have a, I have a thing with her. I... <laughs> Didn't like her much on Sex and the City. I was not. I. I just, she's just one of those actors where you're just like, ugh. You know, you just have that reaction too. That's a, not a good reaction. Well, I still like her, but I. But I do agree that like, Brooke is not fully successful as a foil for anyone. I have that reaction to Hillary Swank too. I thought you were going to say Hillary Clinton for a second. No. That's a different podcast. That's a totally different podcast. Um, um, yeah, no, I have that. Except for the movie Insomnia. Oh, I love that movie. I really love that movie, and she could. I love that movie so much, she couldn't even ruin it for me. But I generally have a thing, an issue with her. Like, like she really kind of also ruined Boys Don't Cry. Oh my goodness! I That's know. just half for us. I know. I know. Um, okay, so Matt now. We're back to Matt, and he's at his lawyer's office, and he is so proud of himself. I know. Matt got stupid here, but whatever. I mean, you'd think he knows better. He's like, you know, I mean, he is a social worker, and they know that they do deal with, like, legal things. Yeah. Um, and his lawyer was basically, like, ripping, like, she's, like, r- pulling apart the cassette tape because she's, like, this is so bad. If the if the defense ever got this or the pro- prosecutors ever got this, you'd be in jail. She's like, not only can we not use this, I don't even think I want to represent you anymore, you moron. Yeah. And so basically, like, he flips out and he insults her. And he's like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing. You have too many clients. You're not taking me seriously. And she's like, well, I quit because I'm not going to stand by and watch you deliberately ru- ruin your case. And so, like, right now, like, she's like, I will call the the what, what is the the, uh, the public defender's office and let them know you don't have a lawyer. And then I'm just like, oh, Matt, you blew it. Yeah. Oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. Oh, Matt. Um, so we're going back to Melrose Place where they're still <laughs> cleaning the fucking pool. Um, 
And so now we're having this moment between Joe and Matt, because remember, Matt is living in Joe's apartment while his apartment is getting fixed. And, um, and, and she's like, you got to hire the attorney back. This is crazy. And then Amanda walks in and she says that in two weeks, uh, it's going to be two weeks and Matt's apartment is going to be ready. Um, and then, you know, Matt says something like, thank you for standing by me or something like that. What's that? Didn't Matt say something to Amanda about, well, thank you for standing by me, like, through this? Like, I appreciate your support. He says something like, yeah, almost glib, like, thanks for your support or something. Not Nothing too much. Yeah. Yeah. And then Amanda's like, well, it's not like you're a serial killer or anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, these things all can be put into perspective. Absolutely. And hey, you never know. He could be a serial killer next season. Yes, you really never know. You really, this could be a seed being planted, and we don't know that. But ring, ring, telephone rings, and it is for Matt. It is Dr. Asshole, and he wants to see Matt at his house, and he says, bring the letter. Now, are you, alarm bells were going off for me. I don't know about you. You don't know if alarms are going off for me? Yeah, were they? Were you like, no, Matt, don't go. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be another bad move. This is going to end badly. Yeah, it, it was kind of like, you know, those moments in like a horror movie where you're like yelling at the characters on screen, don't go down in the basement, don't go in the basement. Like, yeah, this, is, this, like, is, this, uh, this is the equivalent, the Melrose Place equivalent. He's going in the fucking basement. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to prolong this uh, Matt needs to prove his innocent storyline more. No, I just thought, like, Matt's gonna die. Oh. No, I never thought that. Uh, well, I mean, I know that they wouldn't, but, like, this would have been, like, a really good moment to like for, like, something really bad to happen to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they should have made Paul an actual, like, serial killer and had him kill someone else, too. Yeah, I mean, they should have done... <laughs> they should have done anything with Paul, except for what they did with the storyline. Honestly, I feel like the storyline had a lot of promise and they really blew it. Do you think it had promised through the cliffhanger and then it was all in the resolution, like, you know, the, the fallout? Um, yeah, I, I kind of. I mean, I think that they could have prepared us a little bit better, although I will say that was a shock. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it, in a way they didn't, I, I feel like, okay, they didn't prepare. They could have prepared it better, but at the same time, they could have. They were. They. It started to get muddled, shall we say? Because he was telling Matt one thing, and then he was. We'd see him do something completely different with his wife, and after a while, it got to be like, "Well, are you just? This is something beyond closeted. You know what I mean? Like this is just kind of pathological and weird." Um, and so I kind of yeah. wish that they had fixed that so that it wasn't just pathological and weird. Um, that way, I, I, I think they, I just felt like they didn't give us enough. Like, why does he want his wife dead? Sure. Was it for the money? I think so. I, yeah. And I feel like they should have maybe done something differently. Yeah, I think when they bring in outside characters to, like, further a story along, like, there's never an actually, like, convincing backstory. They just have to be there to, like, you know, be the antagonist for eight episodes. Right, like, they're they're the foil for a little while, but you never sort of know why. 
Right. Like, like bringing in Jess to upset the Joe Jake storyline, just ending in Jess's death. Like, not really the best thing, but whatever. It gave Jake a storyline. Yeah, and I'm afraid that we're getting another one of those while we're giving Jake a storyline. Storylines coming. Yeah, out. yeah, we sure are. Oh boy. Okay. But anyway, so Matt's gonna live. Um. So Matt is going in the basement where the serial killer is. Okay. Um. <laughs> we're back at the hospital, and Peter and Kimberly are with his shrink. Now he is paying for the shrink. So um, and 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 she is basically doing a bad facsimile of schizophrenia at this point. Right. It really is a bad audition. It's a very bad audition. And and it ends up that the doctor that Peter is paying it says, hey, she's not insane. And she actually calls it. That's not insanity. That's just bad acting. Yeah. So. Which, by the way, props to Marsha Cross for selling that. Yes. I thought Marsha Cross was wonderful later on in the episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really did. I was like, go, Marcia. She was really good. Okay, so now we're going to go to Mackenzie Hart, where Joe is trying out for, is is talking to Jane about being the staff photographer. Yeah. Just, yeah. Joe, I feel like, I know, uh, I know this was pre-internet, really, but Joe needs to find a different way to get jobs. Yeah, she can't keep relying on her friends. No seems bad um so basically the way that joe's behave the way that jane is behaving around joe you know like she runs the place now remember mackenzie is not supposed to be dead <laughs> right right i mean this is like and, and and joe is kind of like wait i don't understand how you can make this decision to hire me when you're not mackenzie or richard and jane is like i run things now That's and she's exactly like but, but, and she's like, oh yeah, Mackenzie's dad. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah, and Joe is like horrified. Yeah. Do you remember how quickly Joe caught on to when like Sid was prostituting herself? Right. Why is Joe so good at catching on to like the women that are doing the wrong thing here and is like so blind to like the criminal men she keeps getting caught up with? I don't know. She just can't see. I don't know. I guess she just can't see it for herself. The she can only stuff. see it on other people. Yep. Um, okay, so we're going back to Melrose Place. I don't even want to talk about the pool right now. I don't. Um, and Joe goes home, and she finds out that Matt went to Paul's. Yeah, he leaves a note. And so she immediately calls his lawyer because she's a good friend. Um, so while Joe is phoning the lawyer, we pan over to Paul's house. Where Paul pulls a gun and he demands that he gets that letter. Yeah. Matt really didn't walk into the smart situation he thought he did. Mm-mm. Because guess what, listeners? Do you think there's a letter? No. There is no letter. It's just lies. There are no letter. He made it up. What he was, was bluffing. Your, what was your plan, Matt? So Peter calls his bluff, and then he's like, and no, no, so, no, Paul, 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 Peter, Paul. Oh, my God. I wish that they had changed these names. They needed to do a name list. Okay. Paul pulls the gun. He, and Matt admits there's no letter. And that's when Paul, like, is like, what are you talking about? And then, and then he, like, finds the recorder. He, like, starts, like, poking Matt in the chest, and he finds the recorder. Yeah. And, and he's, 
the best line of like the night. What is this amateur hour? And I'm like, yeah, you know, kind of, uh, kind of is Paul. That's, that's a good yeah. point. Really calling themselves out on the, on the writing fiat there. And then Matt's like, no, you don't understand. The police know I'm here. That's a direct line to them. And I'm like, wait, what? He's just digging himself deeper in a hole. And then you know what happens? The cops come through the door. Show up. What the fuck is going on? Was he working with the cops the whole time? I have absolutely no idea. This was making me crazy. I thought it was because Joe made the call. That, that, that Alicia or someone called the the cops and let them know that's where Matt was and they like hold ass over there in the nick of time. But how, why would they bust through the door? I don't know. I mean, because it was like he said, oh, that's my direct line to the cops. They can hear everything that you're saying and they're going to come in any second now. And then all of a sudden they like bust down the guy's door. And I'm like, whoa, was Matt working with them? I don't think so. I don't think so because we never get a scene afterward that's like, well, Matt called us and uh, told us he was going to do blah, blah, blah. So, no, I don't think so. Okay. So, anyway, Paul's waving the gun around. Matt's like, he killed his wife. He killed his wife. Um, and it's like pandemonium. The lawyer's there. I don't remember if Joe's there. Joe probably is there. Um, and, and, like, and so, like, Paul's like swinging the gun around and he swings it towards the cops. And so they shoot him down. They shoot him. They shoot him. And he, and that's where we have, you know, Matt sort of saying, come on now, you have to tell the truth, you know? And so we get, we get the deathbed confession. Right. And, enough life force in him to confess yeah. to a bullet. And so I felt cheated with the storyline too. Yeah. Also like really abbreviated fallout. Where it's, it's not just, only three episodes in, it's like halfway into the episode, they're like, okay, and we're done with Matt again. Yeah, and it was, and I felt like there was so much set up with this convoluted story, and like, and like, what was the payoff? Oh, we're just gonna have him die in a sort of hail of bullets. Right. And there was, so I felt like I didn't have any closure here. Why was this guy doing this? Was he closeted gay? Yeah. Because then he sort of acts like there are things that he says to Matt about, well, you're kind. You know, he sort of makes those snide comments like that. And I'm like, okay, so he wasn't closeted, but it was clear that he and Matt had sex. Yeah. You know, so he's supposedly straight. So what, like, it it just was a very convoluted storyline that made absolutely no sense. Yeah, they really don't, um, they don't unpack anything the way yeah. they should. On the, on the on the back end, right? Like, was there self self loathing there? It was just very like you know, and which kind of sucks because I mean, as far as bad guys go, even though he was pretty like one dimensional, it had the makings for a really compelling villain, right? Like, like there could have been some meat on that bone, and and we were just giving sinew. I think I think it made for a good cliffhanger. I think the season three finale in every storyline sets everything up for tons of potential. And I think it sees almost none of them through. I'm starting. I'm still enjoying it. I think, I just think the way they're seeing these stories through is not the Melrose we saw in season three and two. I agree. I agree. So, so we'll, we'll catch back up to Matt shortly. Okay. But for the moment, we're going to go to the ad party. 
where we've got um, Billy and Brooke walking in together arm in arm, only to find that Allison had gotten herself there. Yeah. Um, good for her. Yeah. I mean, she's showing that she might be blind, but she can still take care of herself. And I was really happy to see that she was there. Of course, Brooke wasn't. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And but at least Brooke can see, oh, wait. See Someone what? else might be able to also. <laughs> but, you know, so Amanda is thrilled with the way the party came off and, and gives all the credit to Allison. And so... Billy tells Brooke that he's going to ask Allison to dance. Um, and Brooke isn't happy about that. Yeah, again, she's not thrilled. No, not thrilled. But while, you know, Billy and Allison are dancing, Allison blinks a couple times and her eyesight comes back. Yeah, maybe not perfect vision, but all of a sudden she seems to be seeing things. Mm-hmm. And now she's got to make a choice. Yeah. Does she tell or does she continue to be blind? Right, so stay tuned on that one, guys. Yeah, so we're going to go straight to Melrose Place because they're still cleaning the pool. <laughs> and Allison needs to tell Jane that she can see. Yeah, I love that Jane is her girl Friday on this. I know, and Jane is like, girlfriend, you fake it. Yeah. You keep being blind. And Allison's like, I can't, I can't lie. Also... I wish the blindness really could have lasted a bit longer. I do too. Two and a half episodes, but I do too. That's the other thing. I was a little frustrated that they made her not blind so quickly. I know. I would have gone for like a good six episodes. Yeah, there I mean there's more I think we could mine from that. Totally. Okay. So um okay, so Allison can't fake it. Um so we're pretty sure that she's going to spill that to Billy that she can see. But meanwhile, we're going to go back to the hospital where very quickly, all of a sudden, they're having a welcome back Matt party. But really, it's Matt is throwing himself a welcome back Matt party. <laughs> but, you know, the big boss shows up. Calvin Hobbs. Calvin Dr. Hobbs. <laughs> and I don't think things are going to go Matt's way for much longer. No, they're not. Because he's like, you are a disgrace. You carried on with another doctor at this hospital, and and it ended in murder, and it's uh, it's an embarrassment. I'm like, yeah, but you also have an employee of the hospital that bombed an entire city block, and that doesn't seem to phase you as much. Yeah, I know. So did Matt get fired, or is he on thin ice, as they say? I think he's on thin ice. Okay, I couldn't figure out if he, he got fired or not. Was he officially fired? He might have been officially fired. Okay, I couldn't. I couldn't figure that out. That was unclear. And I can't remember where he goes from here because I, in my mind, still picture him at the hospital. Well, I don't think he goes anywhere. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, in this, like, this is the last we see of Matt in this episode. Yeah, I'm trying to think of as the season continues. Is he elsewhere in the hospital? I don't remember. So, it will be news to me. Okay, well, well, I guess we'll all learn together whether or not Matt actually got fired. Yes, yeah, stay tuned with us. Okay, so we're going to go back to D&D where Amanda is having lunch on a china plate. That's exactly, that's exactly what I said to my buttercup. I was like, why is Amanda eating her salad or her lunch or whatever on like a hard plate? <laughs> it's not a takeout container. It's not a paper plate. 
It's like actual durable china. It's like she has fine china just hanging out in her office. Which, if anyone would, it would be Amanda. But interestingly, it's like she had a sixth sense. Maybe she moved it from her apartment to her office. Because she seems to have a lot of important stuff in her office that ordinarily would be at one's own home. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, though, I like the, I like the new flow of the office. Okay. I, do, I like her. I like the new layout of Amanda's office. I think it works very well. I don't think I paid enough attention to it, but it feels but less I'm, claustrophobic in there when they're doing scenes. Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's a good obs on you. So Amanda's having lunch on fine china when she Brooke walks in and is like, "You asked to see me, master," and Amanda is like, "Yeah, I need you to file." Which was hilarious because she's totally demoted to, like, file clerk. And she doesn't yeah. look happy about it at all. And so while they're sort of making small talk, um, you know, Brooke is bitching about Amanda. Not Amanda, Allison. about Allison. And putting files back. And then she finds a locked drawer. And Amanda's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's my, those, are my, those are off-limit files. Just keep filing in the drawer below. Right, right. It's like, it's like all caps highlighted it's like this is the drawer that has things i don't want you looking at don't look at it don't open it don't do anything with this super secret important stuff keep filing bye yeah and then she tells and then amanda tells brooke to adjust her attitude so you know brooke is going diving into that file cabinet the first chance she gets yeah we'll Um, see that yeah okay so now we're moving into what the fuck territory? How so? Okay. We go to this fancy restaurant where there is a double date going on between Jane and Richard and Joe and Jake. Um, because I guess what was it? Jane was like, we're going to, we should all go to dinner and celebrate or something like that with, you know, so, so they are actually all going to dinner to celebrate. And we find out over this dinner that Jane fired Richard's photographer to hire Joe. And so basically there's so much tension at this table now, right? Like, like Jane is defending her decision-making. Richard is being snide towards Joe because he's not happy with it. They're kind of sticking poor Jake in the middle. And, you know, and Joe doesn't feel like Jake is like supporting her well enough or something like that. So anyway, it's this really weird situation between these two couples who are already in a weird situation right, right. Both of them. one is like we're not really a couple and the other is like we can't really be a couple because people don't even know your wife is dead yeah so so there's already like this weird sort of thing and now they're they're like they're kind of i guess they're doubling down on the weirdness right so right. that's true so yes. the first weird is that the last time we saw joe and jake together they said, Joe said to Jake, we are friends. We're better as friends. The universe is telling us that we need to be friends because of all the shit that we've gone through. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're at this dinner and it's after the dinner. And she says to him, like, I don't feel like you were, you know, coming to my defense and what kind of friend are you? And, and Jake is like, well, look, I feel like I'm losing you again to your new career and I've only just gotten you back. And she's like, well, and I'm like, I'm sort of seeing they're going to put friends. And then she's like, what? 
And then Joe says to him, well, I think that we need to have a commitment. Like we've never really committed to each other and look at where that's gotten us. And so why don't we have a commitment? And, and, and he's like, okay, we'll have a commitment. And my head is spinning. Cause I'm like, this wasn't where this was going like five minutes ago. I'm happy. You know, I ship these two, but, but I was, I was, it was frustrating because it's like, once again, there's this sort of like, there, there's no growth there. They, they did not grow into this. No, and not at all. And that's the problem sometimes with the super couple is they're so busy trying to keep them apart that like they give them the stupid up and down roller coaster in the middle. Right. Because this is like bullshit all around. Right. Like it would have been fine if he was like weirded out by the fact that she was with Jess and Jess essentially died at his hand. But that's not what's happening here. Right. Um, also... Is this also the scene where Jake is talking about how Shooter's Mrs. Sid because she did a lot of things, including the books? Yeah. <laughs> like, randomly, out of nowhere, like, the line itself doesn't even make sense, and it's just so hilarious. He's like, and Sid did a lot for us, including the books. Uh, okay. Why would you let Sid do your books? I don't know, but that they stayed in the black when... She was doing it, I guess. I guess she did a good job. Well, yeah. yeah. To accounting. Yeah, I mean, apparently, said the person that can't hold down a job, you know, the woman... Or, like, legal job. Yeah, like, apparently, she's very good at running shooters. <laughs> Go figure. So, you know, not only do Joe and Jake become a couple again... Joe is also going to do his books for him. Yeah. This can only turn out well. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, where are we? Oh, so we're going to go back to Melrose Place where um, Allison can see now. And so she creeps her way up to Billy's apartment because I guess she is going to confront him and basically tell him, look, I have my eyesight back. Yeah. Um, conveniently. Thanks. Convenient, Thanks. Yes. Thanks for buttoning my blouse, but I guess that has to stop. Yes. <laughs> conveniently, he's left his window open to catch that cool night breeze <laughs> while he is having a beer with Amanda. Brooke is nowhere to be found. I don't remember where she was. She's still filing. Oh, she's still filing. And so they're basically, um, Billy and Amanda are talking about Allison. Yes. And, and so, of course, Amanda eavesdropped. Oh, Allison. Allison. Jesus Christ, I can't keep him straight. And he, Billy says he doesn't want to abandon Allison as long as she's blind. Well, guess what? All set to tell him, but now, no. She, like, turns on her heel and goes creeping away from his apartment. (laughs) So, I guess she is going to hold back that tidbit of information, and she is going to continue to pretend to be blind. The fake blindness. Fake blind. Fake blind. Um, okay, so... We're back at Mackenzie Hart, but it's post-dinner, so it's late at night, so nobody's there except for Richard, and he's wallowing behind his desk. And that's when Jane shows up. Yeah, so they have some making up to do. Or Or, not. Or not. Or not. Um, And Richard has now canceled, it says he's going to cancel the spring line, 
um, because Jane's being too aggressive with the company and the employees are asking questions like, oh, I don't know, where's Mackenzie? Yeah. Yeah, is your wife dead or alive? Stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. And so so Jane is like arguing with him about how he's, you know, going to financially ruin the company if he doesn't let the spring line go forward and all of that. And then she does that sort of, you know, that, that the oldest trick in the book on soap operas where she takes off her overcoat and she's got nothing on underneath. Yeah. She's coming wearing a black trench coat and she doffs the trench coat. And all my notes say, what the hell is going on? That was actually a pretty popular scene at the time, though. I'm sure it was. But I was like, what the hell is going on? But I love this Jane. I do, too. She's a go-getter. I know. For real. For, re- for real. For real. But again, like, it was just one of those things where it just didn't make any sense. He's, like, talking about, like, basically, like, dumping the company and, you know, he's so miserable and he and jane is like too aggressive and his wife is dead and but nobody knows and he's grieving and then she's just like i'm just going to shed my overcoat and be naked and 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 everything will be fine and he is like okay yep principles at the window exactly so we're going to go back to D&D where, you know, no good could come of this. Of course, it's early morning. And of course, Brooke is breaking into, into those files. How well, because the key is right there. Yeah. So she searches the office. She finds the key. And what, what is in that filing cabinet? I'll tell you what it is. It's the first retcon we get for Amanda Woodward. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes. Deep, deep, deep in the bowels of the file cabinet. Well, yeah, I'm going to stay mum on this because I know where it goes. But um, I will say there is a good scene connected to this in the next episode. Yay. Um, She digs out this sort of dog-eared envelope and opens it up and finds a driver's license with Amanda's picture. But the name on it is Amanda Parisi. Yeah. And it's a Miami license. Uh, it's yeah. a Miami license. Guess who walks in? The blind, fake blind Allison. The fake blind Allison. And she sees Brooke in there and she realizes that she needs to fake being blind. She uses this, yeah. So she uses it to her advantage and she's like, hello, is there anybody in here? And Brooke is just all quiet, like, you know, like little field mouse um and pretending not to be there but allison can see so allison knows yes so what will she do with this information i guess we'll find out so that's our cliffy in for that storyline yep now we're moving into the courtroom where kimberly is finally having her trial oh yes and michael and sid are there um, Peter's mad about them being there. Um, and while she's sitting at her the defense table, there's a pitcher of water in front of her. And in that it's, pitcher, it's a metal pitcher. Yeah. A metal pitcher. And in that, in that metal pitcher, which acts as a reflective surface, her, her, her tormentor, her demon comes back. That guy, the That's voice. Right. And so as the judge is going through this whole thing about 
what they're there for, whatever he's going on and on and on about. Um, Michael begins to cause a scene about her not being crazy and throw the book at her and Sid sort of like chimes in. Yeah. What he said. (laughs) And then, and so meanwhile, this demon is like egging Kimberly on and he's like, go kill them. Go, go kill him. This is your chance. You need to kill him. Never going to leave you alone unless you kill him. And so she basically does this flying leap over the bailiff. Over, like, that that divider between the courtroom and, the, you know, between the, the spectators and the lawyers and stuff. She's, like, does this, like, crazy flying leap and, like, goes to attack Michael. It was awesome. It was actually a really great scene. And while she's trying to, like, rip Michael apart, she's screaming, he told me to do it. He told me to do it. Um, and so they finally pull her back and get her out of there. And, and Michael and Sid look quite shaken, and, and Peter is very smug. Yeah. And he's like, thank Not you for being bad. here. Yeah. You know, because Michael's like, well, after that, they're going to throw the book at her. And, um, and, like, and Peter's like, no. No, you did it. Like, thanks. Yep. Because of you, she, they're going to find her insane. So, okay. We're going to go back to Melrose Place. And we're at Jake's apartment, and there's a knock at the door, and Jake has got some champagne ready, champagne glasses. He think, you know, he's like, I'm coming, Joe. Waiting for Joe. Yeah. I guess they're going to celebrate. Um, they're getting back togetherness. And he opens the door, and it's not Joe. It's this strange blonde lady. And he's like, who are you? And she's like, Shelly Handsome. And he's just kind of like blinking at her. And then she says, I'm Jess's wife. Or ex-wife, as or, the case Or may be. ex-wife, yeah. Um, and so, you know, she's like, so where's Jess? And Jake is kind of like, his his mouth is moving like a fish for a moment. He's like, uh. And then he's like, well, Jess is dead. And her face goes blank for a minute. And then she, like, crumbles into his arms. Yep. Um, that's kind of even a little dramatic. She just kind of stepped into his arms while he's holding these two champagne glasses. It was really fucking weird. Yeah, and and so begins uh, a pretty lame storyline. Okay, that's what I thought because it was starting out really lame, and I'm like, can't these two just have a minute to be happy? Right. All right. And, but yeah, it's great if you're a Hanson. Like relatives just keep coming out of the woodwork. I know it's gonna suck for Jake. I'm sorry. Never alone when you're a Hanson. Okay, so we're going to go back to the hospital. Kimberly is in, you know, back in the sort of locked unit. The voice is tormenting her. Peter visits her, and he's all proud of her. And he's like, that was a great performance. That was wonderful. And she's, like, freaking out because she's like, why am I here? I don't want to be here. This place is scary. I'm not happy here. And and he keeps going on about what a great performance she did. And now she, they found her insane and all of that. And... And she basically tries to kill Peter. Yeah. And that was the cliffy there, where she just, like, goes after Peter. I can't remember. Did she get away? Did he get away from her? He did. Yes, he gets away. Yeah, he gets away, and he is just like, oh, my God, what have I done? Because she is definitely Because the woman needs help. Yeah, the woman needs help. And, and, and so I'm wondering, is this the beginning of the end of Peter's r- romancing the Kimberly? 
Uh, yeah, because I don't really remember much else happening here. Right. So uh, once again, this is another thing that like sort of doesn't make sense. Why was he doing this in the first place? Um, did he really have feelings for her? Um, you know, where I thought that they were setting it up that he still had feelings for Allison. And if I remember correctly, they're not done yet. Right. Oh, far from done. But just to clarify, you mean Amanda. Amanda. Oh, why? I keep doing that. Um, they're not done. Amanda and Peter. No. Okay. Um, so, no. yeah. So, so anyway, I, I thought that that was really weird and kind of, I mean, I guess not really unnecessary, but maybe unnecessary um, with, I guess, I guess they did this as part of Kimberly's redemption storyline and he was kind of the catalyst. I, I don't know. I think that's essentially how the, that was working. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So we had a couple of mini cliffies there, um, a couple storylines wrapped up, um, but uh, Matt's still not totally unclear. He looks like he lost his job, and we all know how Amanda feels about getting her rent paid on time. <laughs> um, but he's got two weeks to find a job before he has to start paying rent again. So, Well, does Matt have to pay rent since his apartment is not yet rebuilt? Well, so he's got like two weeks. Because okay. in two weeks, it's going to be rebuilt, and he's going to have to start paying rent. Well, you know what? If there's a clean pool by then, he really should. Well, you know what? I think that they should sue Amanda. Yeah. I think that collectively, they should sue Amanda for not having good enough security that a bomb, that, that not just a bomb, multiple bombs could be planted by one person to blow up half the half the complex yeah i mean it's not even the first security infraction at melrose place it is not so that's what i think and then he wouldn't he wouldn't have to worry about paying rent yeah that's a good call mm-hmm. matt if you can hear us just in that delorean just sewer all right so that is the episode i wonder where things are going to go for episode 101 yeah i think it's called simply shocking so let's see if it is indeed Yes, we shall see. Um, hit us up on Facebook, uh, back on the block pod. Uh, Let us know if this these storylines are driving you crazy. Yeah, let us know what you would do if you were Allison, too. Would you keep faking blind or not? Mm, I probably would keep faking blind. I would, too. And also, that would keep me from having to drive on the freeway to work every day. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and let us know what you think about Jake and Joe. Do you ship them like I ship them? Inquire yeah. I mean, that's not me answering you. That's me seconding. Yeah. Yes, let us know what you think. Please let us know. Um, and oh, in the and meantime, also, yeah. I just want to say, what do you guys all stand on Brooke, too? Do you agree with us, or do you like her a bit more? Ugh. Anyway. You know how to find us. You know how to let us know. Karen, back to you. You were about to guide us. I was about to guide everybody to over to Hollywood Boulevard, where um, there's going to be a special guest joining us. And yeah. uh, and there might be a, a bit of a, as, 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 as Doug called it, the Netflix deep dive. Yes. So come on over yes. and meet us over there. See you there on the boulevard. <laughs>